Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Energy. That is the focus of today's show. I was inspired by a gentleman who comes in from time to time to Vitality, who listens to the show most weeks, I believe, based on what he's told me. And I said, what is it that uh, I should talk about? And he said, I, I don't know. And uh, he couldn't come up with anything necessarily. And then he started talking about how he's been using the Ultimate Vitality Multi and how he feels like when he takes that work in the graveyards that he gets through the day uh, or through his shift much more easily than he did before he started taking it. And that made me think, energy. You know, this guy works graveyards. That is no fun. I can't imagine anybody thinking that that is a wonderful time of day to work. But it is what it is, right? Some of us work graveyards. Some of us work swing shifts. Some of us uh, own our own businesses and work into the wee hours of the morning because we're too busy during the day to try and get everything done. Whatever it is, energy is a problem, or I should say the lack of energy. And today's show is 100% from rant till the finish about energy. That's what we're going to be focusing on. And so if you are struggling with energy, whether it be because of sleep or stress or you don't know why, we're going to talk about, well, not all of the possibilities, but as many possibilities as I can cram into a one-hour show as to why that might be a problem for you. I'm even going to give you a little challenge at the end of the, of the show uh, that you can choose to accept, if you'd like, to try to see if you can achieve more energy in your life by taking some, I think, relatively simple steps, but some steps that might not be as easy to take as uh, you'd like them to be. I'll let you be the judge of that when we get to it. But that's going to be towards the end of the show. Of course, at the beginning of Vitality Radio, there's always a couple of things I like to do. I like to give out our website. There's tons of recipes, a bunch of good information on there. It's vitalitynutrition.com. I like to encourage you to join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash vitalityradio. I will be tweeting out a link. I don't tweet much, but I'm trying to get into it, you know. 45, old dog, new tricks, that kind of thing. But I'm going to tweet out uh, a link to this challenge that I'm going to be offering to you at the end of the show. And I am going to uh, post the challenge on Facebook. I'd like you to give me your thoughts and ideas on it. And certainly give us a call if you have questions about it at Vitality at 801-292-6662. But the main thing I love to do at the beginning of every show is get a few things off my chest. And I will do that right now with the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Here we go. It's official. Americans are now drinking more bottled water than soda. 
when did that happen? That happened officially as of 2016. So that's pretty cool, right? Bottled water, better than soda? I think so. Uh, The question is, are we drinking less soda? Are we drinking more bottled water or both? And interestingly, it's really both. In fact, I shared with you, I want to say six months ago-ish on Vitality Radio, that uh, we have hit a 31-year low in soda consumption in this country. That is awesome. We're drinking less soda. But the average person who drinks soda every day, which is almost exactly 50% of us, is still drinking 2.6 cans, the equivalent of 2.6 cans of soda per day. Now, interestingly enough, and I don't know if it's just because these people are ignorant or if they – I don't know. I, I, I will not, uh, I'll not speculate on this even though I have some ideas – at this time, but whenever I read these articles, whether it be on you know Huffington Post or The Atlantic or USA Today or CNBC or NBC or where doesn't matter, they will always say sugary sodas, sugary sodas, sugary sodas, sugary drinks, sugary, 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 and that's great. That is great. We should talk about sugary stuff because sugar is my own personal arch nemesis. And not only that, but it is the most addictive chemical on the face of the planet, in my opinion. So it's important. However, more Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi are sold in this country than Coke and Pepsi. And so what about those? Are they safer? Are they better? Mm, No, no, they're not. Now, an average soda has about 10 teaspoons of sugar in it. Um, yeah, that's actually a fact. Does that seem like a lot? And, and, and what's worse is it's not really sugar. It's high fructose corn syrup, which is like sugar on steroids. And so that's bad, right? And you drink 2.6 of those a day, you're getting an unholy amount of sugar, and you don't really realize it because you're not munching on gummy bears or cookies, so you don't think about it maybe as much. But then you do the diet thing, the Zero Coke Zero just changed their name to Coke Zero Sugar. Uh, and slightly tweaked the formula because they're trying to get a point across that there's no sugar in here. But they neglect to mention that there are three different artificial sweeteners in there, including the bad boy of the bad boys, aspartame. Uh, That's, you know, actually really another topic for another day. But what's interesting is that we know that sugary sodas lead to diabetes, heart disease, things like that. We know this. It's been proven. In fact, kids who drink soda uh, on a daily basis at the age of 12 are 1.6 times, uh, so a little more than one and a half times more likely to become a type 2 diabetic later in life. So that's big, right? But interestingly, diet sodas are even worse when it comes to diabetes and when it comes to weight gain. We gain more weight on diet sodas, and the more fat we gain, the more likely we are to become diabetics. We know that uh, diet sodas increase uh, insulin uh, or decrease insulin sensitivity, which leads to diabetes. So there is not a soda that you ought to be drinking on any kind of a regular basis. And I've said before, I'm not a zealot. I'm not one who wants to take everything fun from your life. If you want to have a root beer float from time to time or have a Coke at dinner occasionally, that's fine. But if you're doing it daily, you're doing something that your body really does not love. And uh, and, and and if you're really going to go all out, we know, I think, that it was uh, that, that we were given a gift 
and that is root beer with pizza. So we do recognize there are certain times when we may want to splurge a little bit and do these things, but it's the 2.6 times a day that's the problem, or 2.6 cans a day. And of course, then you see the people walking out of the local Maverick store with their refillable mug that's, what, 48 ounces, 64 ounces. Wow, right? That's a lot. And I don't know if they're filling that up once or twice or whatever it is, but I do know this. When people come in to see me at Vitality and I do one-on-one nutritional consulting and uh, and what's called biofeedback testing, and so I see people and, and I'll spend an hour, hour and a half with them. And one of, on the little form that I have people fill out so I get an idea of what their lifestyle is like, it says – how you know? What do you drink every day? And it go. It has water. It has coffee and tea. It has milk. It has soda. It has uh, alcohol. It has all these different options. And I ask them to list how you know how much and how often. And soda is still on there. You know, it's on there. And and they say it's half the people. But I'm telling you, it seems like it's more than half to me. So I don't know quite how they gather these statistics. But regardless, it's a lot and it's a problem. But is soda the only thing that's really beating us up here? Because remember, this topic is not soda. It's not uh, even caffeine. It's energy. But, of course, caffeine is the holy grail of energy, at least in most people's book, right? So what are the other sources? Of course, coffee is the biggest one. In fact, people get all bent out of shape about energy drinks, right? Your Red Bulls, your Rock Stars, your Monsters, and they almost have a stigma to them like, um, you know, these are bad for you. shouldn't drink these things. And yet soda is, for some reason, more acceptable. I'm not sure I understand that. And coffee is, is very acceptable in, in our society. Now, in Utah, it's a little different, right? Because the prevailing religion um, does not uh, deem coffee allowable, but soda is. <laughs> and energy drinks are. It's a little strange uh, dichotomy there. But regardless of what's going on here, what we know is that all of these things are loaded with caffeine. Well, okay, not all sodas, right? But the sodas of choice for most people are loaded with caffeine. Because even if you're only drinking 2.6 cans of Coke a day, you're getting still in the neighborhood of you know, 125, 130 milligrams of caffeine, plus whatever other sources of caffeine you may consume. And the question is this, is caffeine inherently bad for you? Now, I may be the guy uh, that does the radio show that talks about health and nutrition that doesn't necessarily say that caffeine is always bad for you. In fact, I sell a lot of caffeine-containing products at Vitality Nutrition. And my general feeling on what is good for you and what is bad for you uh, plays a huge role in what I choose to sell to my customers at Vitality. So, I have to be a little careful with that, right? There are certain things that I carry that I think are not so good for you on a regular basis, but might make a lot of sense three or four times a week. And that's kind of where caffeine falls for me. And it's like most things. There are um, kind of upper limits, right, as to where you need to be cautious that you're not doing too much uh, caffeine. And there are um, kind of exceptions to every rule. But the one rule that I would like to specifically discuss is that we ought not to ever take caffeine on a daily basis. And there are estimates, and they are estimates, and so we don't know exactly how accurate we are, but they are, but we have to assume they're fairly close. Somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of American teens and adults are taking caffeine on a daily basis, and the average caffeine consumption for a 
for adults in this country is roughly 300 milligrams. What does that mean? Is it a problem? Is 300 milligrams a lot of caffeine or a little bit of caffeine? Well, to give you an example of where you might get this caffeine, uh, an average soda, I'm just going to pick an average caffeinated soda because Pepsi's a little different from Coke and Mountain Dew's a little different and Dr. Pepper's a little different, whatever. But regardless, they average in the neighborhood of about 50 milligrams a can. Some are higher, some are a little lower. So that's 12 ounces. Um, I know People still buy cans of soda, but you'll also see, of course, the more common thing, I think, coming out of of your convenience store is a 20-ounce bottle. So a 20-ounce bottle all of a sudden vaults up to about 125 milligrams of caffeine on average. And then, of course, we have your energy drinks, which uh, – and this is where I think it's so funny. It really is. A monster, a monster energy drink, and there are different versions, but a standard monster energy drink has in the neighborhood of 140 to 160, and a rock star is at about 160 unless you get their super caffeinated ones, which are 240 and so on. But we're talking about for the entire can, right, that 16-ounce can. So 140 milligrams of soda of caffeine from a monster is not substantially different from 125 milligrams of caffeine from a Coke, and yet... It's funny how we've sort of accepted the amount of caffeine in a Coke, and we're not paying too much attention, or, or we're paying a lot of attention to the caffeine in a Monster. In fact, in a Monster and in a Rockstar, is it not true that they are marketing the caffeine as a benefit? Of course they are. But what I find sort of hilarious is that when we think about how the human mind works and how marketing works and all these things is that over the years, Coca-Cola and Pepsi have sort of downplayed the fact that there's a bunch of caffeine in their products because it is the most powerfully addictive chemical in there besides sugar. And they don't want people to think they're trying to addict them to their drink. But try to take a Diet Coke or a regular Coke away from somebody. And it you might as well, you know, try and take a gun from a avid member of the NRA. It's just not, it's not a good scene, right? And so we have to recognize that all of these things are players. Well, what if you go to Starbucks? What if that's your thing? A 16 ounce, which I believe is considered the Venti, the large coffee, 250 milligrams of caffeine. So that's a lot more than a rock star or a Red Bull. A Red Bull is only only 80 milligrams of caffeine. A five-hour energy drink is 100 milligrams of caffeine. The point of the matter is that we tend to consume more and more caffeine, and I'm seeing it in pre-workout supplements now. Now, I'm a big fan, big fan of pre-workout supplements, and I believe that a caffeinated pre-workout supplement can be very useful if, again, taken three or four days a week and not six or seven. And, and there is a, a big difference between those two things. There is, because I'm going to talk about rest and recovery as we get further into the topic today. But now, the average pre-workout that I'm seeing coming out on the market is now about 300 milligrams of caffeine. So that's your, your full daily use for a lot of people. But what if you're the person who is already starting out your day at Starbucks? Or you're grabbing a rock star on the way to work? Or you're buying a case of them at Costco? because it's cheaper, or whatever. And then, or you're, you know, again, drinking the soda from Maverick or whatever else. And then you're going and getting your pre-workout supplement, which has 300 milligrams of caffeine. Now you're pushing 
maybe 500, 550, 600 milligrams of caffeine. And we know that there is toxicity in many people above 400 milligrams of caffeine, but nobody really knows because the problem with caffeine is it's a central nervous system stimulant and everybody's nervous system responds a little differently to it, right? So one person can drink a can of Coke and go to bed and sleep like a baby and the other person drinks a can of Coke at 5 p.m. and can't sleep all night. So it's different for everybody. We have these sensitivities or lack thereof that change things for us. But another thing that we have to consider is how the caffeine affects us in the long term, because the short-term benefit can be very useful. And I'm the first guy that says, I'd rather have you drink a rock star and drive four miles, or sorry, four hours, <laughs> uh, than be drowsy at the wheel and swerve and smash into somebody, right? So there are times and places where caffeine makes a lot of sense. The problem is it's like anything else. It's, it's kind of the boy who cried wolf thing, right? If we're doing it every day, it's not there when we need it. And that is where the problem lies. So what do we do um, with this thing? Soda has gone down, but energy drinks have gone up and coffee is up. And so is caffeine consumption down? I don't believe so. I couldn't find any statistics that really grabbed me as being super accurate. And so I'm not going to share those other than to say that they, they think – Probably people are averaging about 300 milligrams a day, the people who are consuming caffeine. And I think that's probably fairly close. But, of course, average is what it is, right? Some people are drinking a cup of coffee, getting around 100 milligrams of caffeine that they brew in the morning. And other people drink a Diet Coke every day and getting about 50 milligrams of caffeine. And then there are the people that very rarely use any kind of caffeine. And then there are the people that are taking their pre-workout, their monster energy, and starting the day with a coffee, and they're having six or 700 milligrams of caffeine. But when we average it out at 300, it's too much on a daily basis. And then I didn't even mention Excedrin and No-Dose and some of these other sources of caffeine that people use. So it's, it's very prevalent in our country. We have a significant consumption of it. And the rant topic is basically this. Soda is never good for you, Okay. Is coffee good for you? The question is debatable in terms of the research. We have enough reasons now, I believe, to believe that coffee is more bad than good. And it's not just the caffeine. It's the acidic nature of coffee. It's some of the compounds that may actually increase bad cholesterol, the kind that actually does potentially hurt you, and triglycerides. It's the fact that it may actually um, lead to more uh, or less insulin sensitivity and therefore insulin resistance, which then eventually leads to type 2 diabetes. There are enough things there, but there is some research showing the antioxidant content of, ca of coffee is very powerful and very good. Uh, and I believe that's probably true as well. But we can pick our pick and choose our antioxidants, right? There are better sources, certainly, than coffee. So the big thing is, if you're a coffee drinker, if you're a soda drinker, if you're a rock star drinker, if you're a pre-workout drinker, this would be the big challenge and the big thing that you ought to very seriously consider doing, and that is just simply cut back. Give yourself at least a couple of days. I, I recommend at least two days where you don't consume it, because that will play a huge role in, first, Avoiding, if you're not already addicted, addiction, but also preventing the need for more and more and more the longer we get into it. Because it used to be when one cup of coffee would wake you right up, and now it's two or three or four, and you're saying, I don't even feel a difference when I do it. If you're that person, 
then you need to evaluate and recognize that this is a problem. Why else is this a problem? The other problem is dehydration. Caffeine is inherently dehydrating to the cell. And coffee and soda are two of the biggest dehydrators. And I talked about doing nutritional analysis for people and, and talking to them. And I find that people are dehydrated. Like inherently, almost everybody I see is dehydrated. Why? A, they're not drinking enough water. B, we don't get enough minerals. And C, we're taking things into our bodies on a daily basis that dehydrate us. And when we're dehydrated, guess what happens? We're tired. So it's this vicious cycle. We dehydrate our systems, we deplete our systems, and we then become more tired because the other thing caffeine does is it gets rid of vitamin C and B vitamins, and they help to combat stress and enhance our immune system. And so we just have to recognize that while caffeine at the right moment is a very powerful tool, I didn't sleep well at all. I need to get up and go to work. Some caffeine might really help me perform. Great. I want to get in the gym and just absolutely kick some tail in there. Some caffeine might help me perform. Great. I need caffeine just to get out of bed. Not so great. You see the difference? Okay, so the rant is really that. It's be careful. We're over-caffeinating ourselves. We need to cut back. We need to get away. If we're doing caffeine, it needs to be three or four, maybe five days a week, and that's it. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about what energy, why we don't have energy. And you're going to hear about you. If you're a low energy person, you're going to probably hear about you as we talk through this, because I'm going to go through the different reasons why most people lack energy. And then I'm going to talk about what we can do to resolve it. And I'm going to end with a big challenge that's going to help you figure out how to really enhance and restore your energy. That's what the rest of the show is on. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, it will be all energy for the next four 35 minutes. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. I love that I've been allowed to talk about all this stuff, get up on my soapbox for the last nine years, and uh, that people actually care. 
my audience is growing. I've got more and more people coming saying, hey, keep up the good work. You do a great job. And I really appreciate hearing that. Thank you so much. I'm sure there are people who disagree. In fact, I absolutely know there are people who disagree, but that's okay too. Uh, My job is to stir it up just a little bit, get you some information you don't hear just anywhere and make you recognize that there are alternatives to drugs and surgeries and things that can make you feel good that just come from nature and uh, have inherently less risk in most cases than uh, these other things that uh, modern medicine tends to want to provide. So welcome back to Vitality Radio. It's great to have you. If you're a regular listener, thank you. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. If you're just listening for the first time and you are a little tired right now at 927 in the morning, then Let's wake up. Let's get some energy. I'm going to talk about energy for the rest of the show. You can find us at Vitality Nutrition 107 South 500 West. Give us a call. 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And we will be happy to answer any questions you have about your health and uh, even shoot the breeze about politics. Whatever. Give us a call. 801-292-6662. We're there from 10 to 7 today, and I'll be there from 11 to 7. So if you want to meet me and talk about this stuff, I'd love to have the opportunity to meet with you. Okay, so here is this vitality uh, radio energy topic. I've, this is funny because in nine years, I don't think I've just tackled energy. So we're going to talk about it. I, I left off talking about caffeine and I forgot one thing. How does caffeine actually work? What does it do? Caffeine does this. The uh, Caffeine has similar properties to what's called adenosine. And adenosine is a, naturally, a natural body chemi- chemical, basically, that causes Um, drowsiness by slowing down nerve cell activity. Caffeine can therefore bind to adenosine receptors. When this occurs, the receptors are not available for adenosine molecules to bind, to which uh, causes increased neuron firing in the brain. The pituitary gland sees all the activity and thinks some sort of emergency must be occurring. So it releases hormones that tell the adrenal glands to produce adrenaline or epinephrine. Adrenaline is the fight or flight hormone, and it has a number of effects on your body, including the following pupil dilation, increased breathing rate, increased heart rate, constriction of blood vessels to slow blood flow from cuts and to increase blood flow to muscles, increased blood pressure, decreased blood flow to the stomach. This is uh, no time to spend energy digesting when, you're, when there's stress, right? Release of sugar from the liver to the bloodstream for extra energy and tightening of muscles as they get ready for action. So that's what's happening, which is why sometimes, especially if we drink too much caffeine, uh, we our hands get a little cold, our muscles tense up, you feel excited, and you feel your heart rate increasing. That's what caffeine does. And in the short term, for the periods where it makes sense, that is a powerful tool but in the daily routine, maybe not so much. So why are we tired? I would say quite possibly the biggest thing is overconsumption of stimulants, caffeine and other stimulants, but especially caffeine uh, because it is the legal stimulant. It's the thing that most of us use on a daily basis is a big thing. Why does it make us tired? Because it creates stress within the body, which again, that's not always a bad thing. What else increases stress within the body? 
exercise, a lot of stress. Exercise is very stressful to the body, and yet it's one of the best things we can do for ourselves. So just creating stress alone is not the problem, but creating stress on a daily basis without necessarily creating the benefit that exercise creates can be a problem. So how do we get away from this issue? Well, we have to figure out ways to cut back on the caffeine. So there are some ideas on this first. First, track your consumption of coffee, tea, and caffeinated soda, and specifically figure out how much caffeine is in the things you drink. It's not as hard as it might seem, but it can be a little difficult because if you're drinking Coke, it doesn't tell you how much caffeine is in Coke. Uh, You've got to look it up and figure it out, but I've gone through and given you a bunch of numbers, and it's not that hard to Google, you know, how much caffeine is in this, and you can pretty much figure it out. If you're drinking coffee, it's a little more tricky because, remember, a cup of coffee is considered six ounces, but the average serving of coffee in America is considered to be 12. So if you're drinking a cup of coffee and it has you know, depending on where you read and what kind of coffee, between 50 and 100 milligrams, you may actually really be getting between 100 and 200 milligrams in your cup of coffee. Or if you're buying the 16 ounce, which I was corrected during the break, is not a venti, it's a medium, whatever the uh, word is for that, uh, coffee, 250 milligrams of caffeine. And so if we're going large, it's even more. That's a lot of caffeine. So you got to figure out how much you're actually consuming because tracking is everything. You know, I started tracking my water not too long ago, and I realized that I'm the guy preaching water, and I'm not drinking enough. So now that I have the My Water app, which is pretty cool and totally free on your iPhone or your Android, it's pretty cool. It nudges me every couple hours and says, drink more water. And guess what? I kind of listen to it because I know it's good for me. It's a nice little healthy reminder. And then I log it in, and this little water meter goes up throughout the day. And then when it's full, I say, yes, I did it. I got all the water I needed. And that's a big deal with reducing the soda and things like that because part of the reason we drink soda is because we're thirsty. Well, be less thirsty by drinking water because water doesn't dehydrate. It hydrates, and it will create less thirst than coffee or soda will. So that's those are a couple of things. Do the slow cut back. You don't have to go cold turkey. If you're a nine-cup-of-coffee drinker, going down to zero is very difficult, and you will not like me very much. You've potentially tried it before, but there's no reason you can't go down to eight and then seven and six and so on, right? So start slowly cutting back. I wouldn't even recommend taking a day off right out of the gate, but reduce the dose on a daily basis and then start taking days off and then start taking multiple days off. That's a good idea. How about using smaller mugs instead of larger mugs or ordering the 12 ounce instead of the 20 ounce? Those types of things can make a big difference. So there are a lot of things. And one of the things that was brought up by the Villanova University article that I'm actually quoting from right now uh, was funny to me. It said, if you're worried about drinking too much caffeine, one of the things you can do is instead of a coffee break, take a walk. And I laughed literally out loud, the old LOL. Why? Because who thinks of that, right? Who, who's walking to the break room to grab a coffee and saying, you know what? Instead, I'm going to take a 20 or 30 minute walk. It's not really reality, I don't think, for most of us, but could it be? Maybe it could be. I, I, it could actually work for me some days. I, instead of going for something that would uh, temporarily enhance my energy, like caffeine, which I sometimes do, I could take my phone so I could even still be working 
and I could go for a walk for 20 minutes. Well, guess what? Walking is huge for energy. It's such a big deal because it balances your blood sugar. It's one of the best things you can do if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic is take a 20 or 30-minute walk. It is one of the healthiest things you can do. And if you go for that walk, grab a glass of water first. Or take a couple a bottle of water with you and drink it while you walk. Get hydrated, get exercise, get fresh air. All of those things are good. So while I laughed at it because I thought that's not even reality for so many people, if it's reality for you that you can actually get out and take a walk instead of going for some caffeine, you will feel better. One of the reasons we get so tired is we're sitting all the time, a lot of us, right? We're sitting there and sitting is a relaxed position. It's easy to just lean back and say, oh man, I'm tired, right? We start yawning and everybody else around us starts yawning and all we're thinking of bedtime and that's no good. We got to get out, get active, get some walking in. That can help a lot. Okay, so what's another reason that we're dealing with low energy? Stress. Stress is huge when it comes to energy. I just talked about what caffeine does when uh, to create that higher level of stress on the body. Well, stress creates a higher level of stress on the body as well, right? Cortisol starts firing. Epinephrine starts firing. Our adrenal glands are thinking something's wrong. And maybe it's just that we're having a hard day at work. So what do we do if stress is a big deal? Well, that one's a little more challenging, right? And I'm going to talk a little bit during the challenge at the end as to ways that we can help to reduce our stress a little bit. But there are a few things specifically that I want to talk about right now. Do we struggle with stress because we're actually creating stress for ourselves? I am, when I'm on the radio and I'm raising my right hand, absolutely I do. How do I create stress for myself? I'm a procrastinator by nature. I don't know where this came from. I have to assume that uh, it came from some sort of genetic DNA that I was uh, that I was dealt at birth that said, why do today what you can put off to tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know, but I know that's who I am. <laughs> And it's bad. I love to procrastinate, especially things I don't like to do, like taxes. But procrastinating taxes can create a lot of stress, right? So many things that I procrastinate create a lot of stress. Oftentimes, it's procrastinating preparing my radio show. And so today, I had some extra stress. Why? Well, last night, I was prepping the show. I got the bulk of it kind of figured out. And I thought, I'll wake up a couple hours before the show. I'll finish it up. No problem. I drove into Vitality from my house. And I uh, went to the bathroom and in the next room I heard something dripping. It was this new uh, faucet thing that we had installed and it's dripping water and it's splashing all over this new floor that we have. And there's puddling and there's stress because I got to get to the radio studio in the next half hour. And this is going to take me 10 minutes to clean up, which means that if there's any traffic at all, I'm going to be late for my show. So sometimes we create stress for ourselves. If the show was completely prepared at that point, if I wasn't still doing the finishing touches and I heard the dripping, I could have solved it much more easily. But it wasn't quite so easy. So extra stress can be created by us. What's another way that we create stress for ourselves? TV, news, tweets, Facebook posts, so many things that are constantly flashing in front of us that stress us out. I talk to people all the time, people who are close to me, who sit up and watch Dateline or uh, Law and Order or CSI or CNN or Fox News or whatever it is. I don't care. Pick your poison, right? Before bed, 
And it's stressful. All you got to do is look at politics for five seconds in this country, and it's like, oh, my gosh, the world's coming to an end, right? The sky is falling. It sure seems that way sometimes. And then the artificial stress of who murdered who, and some people are kind of wired in such a way that they're fascinated by it but scared by it at the same time. And we can actually create these issues in ourselves. I remember the first time that I knew something was wrong with my dad, who ended up um, being uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's, was the time that I asked him to watch a war movie with me, something I had just loved. I don't even remember what movie it was now because we're talking now like 18 years ago, but it was something I I really, really loved. I think it was a World War II thing. I said, Dad, let's sit down and watch this. And he said, I can't. I can't. I get too stressed out when I watch that stuff. And this was right down my dad's alley, man. History Channel was his favorite thing other than Fox News. And so he would watch the stuff and he didn't realize he was being stressed, but as the Parkinson's started to kick in and the dopamine levels dropped in his brain, he couldn't handle it anymore. He'd get shaky. He'd get nervous. He could literally not watch it. And it wasn't that it wasn't stressful before. It's just that his body wasn't in a position to handle it anymore. And we do that to ourselves all the time. So take away the things that you create stress within your lives. Take away those things, and you'll feel so much better. And much of this is within our control. One that's harder is toxic people. Oh, what's a toxic person? Do you know what a toxic person is? Yes, of course you do. We all have them. We all have toxic people in our lives. We have people that drag us down. Uh, Some people call them energy vampires. They just suck us dry. We have people like this in our lives. Some of them we're related to. Sometimes it's worse. We're married to them or we have them as, uh, as uh, co-workers that we deal with on a daily basis. I talked to a, a lady in my store just a couple of days ago who has a co-worker that has this horrible you know, relationship with. And every day she's so stressed out because of this co-worker. Ugh, that's hard, right? Can we remove toxic people from our lives? Sometimes we can, right? Sometimes we can. Sometimes it's really hard to do that. Uh, But we can, I think, reduce the toxicity of people in our lives because there are some people we don't need to be in contact with on a regular basis. And we can just shift ourselves a little bit further away. There's also that thing I talked about, the walk. I'm not a big meditator. I think meditating is awesome. I think everybody should meditate. Yay. But it's hard to do. It's hard to do for some people. It's really hard to do for me. I am the world's worst meditator. (laughs) But walking feels good to me. Because it's nature. Get out and walk and take your shoes off and feel the earth. And that sounds so hippie, but it's true. There's actual proven grounding that takes place. We are electric. And so is the earth. There is a certain amount of energy that we can actually ground ourselves just by getting our feet in the soil or on the grass or wherever we can. Concrete is still good. Still attached to the earth, but maybe not quite as good. Get grounded. That's a big deal, too. All right. Work. Do you love your work? I love my work. Man, I love my work. There's some aspects of my work I don't like very much. I think everybody can say that, but I love what I do. I'm so fortunate to love what I do. I was raised in a business that I fell in love with. And so it works out really, really well for me because I almost always, almost always look forward to going to work every day. If you're not that person, figure out how you can start to change that. That's not always easy either. I realize that. But we live in a world that is unbelievably full of opportunity. The internet has brought everything to our fingertips. And now we have things called side hustles. And people are turning their 
quote unquote dead end jobs into side hustles uh, or they're turning towards side hustles doing their job and then for an hour or two at night doing their passion and sometimes making a lot of money doing it so open yourself up to that if you're interested in that concept there's a podcast I love it's seven to eight minutes a day and it's called side hustle school and it's cool if you want to learn how to start making some money on the side which can help de-stress you doing something maybe you're passionate about which can help de-stress you and possibly even getting away from the job that you don't love, side hustle. Think about that. That's a very, very cool thing. So a lot of things that, that, that we're talking about here. And what about sleep? Sleep's big, right? Sleep is huge. How does stress contribute to sleep issues? There's something called the cortisol curve, the cortisol curve, the cortisol curve. Think about that for a minute because you've probably never heard of it unless you've listened to Vitality Radio a lot because I talk about it quite a bit because I think it's a big deal. Cortisol is this big stress hormone and it is our best friend at 7 a.m. in the morning because it, it helps to bring us up from sleep and get our energy levels up and get us feeling better and ready to go. And then it's supposed to just kind of come down as we go through the day until it gets to its very lowest at around 2 or 3 in the morning when we should be getting that deep, restful REM sleep. And then it starts to, to quickly jump up towards about 7 a.m. And that's all good if it's all good. But what if we're drinking a bunch of caffeine? What if we're watching stressful programs? What if we have an argument with somebody at work? Or we do this or we do that and our stress comes up and our cortisol comes up with it. And now the cortisol curve is all skewampus. It's not where it's supposed to be. And sometimes it shifts. And we literally wake up at 1 or 2 in the morning saying, why can't I sleep? Why won't my brain turn off? It's because you're because emotionally, mentally, you're awake, but your body is so darn tired and it's frustrating as heck. So if you can't sleep and it's because your brain won't shut off, it's because you're thinking of all the stuff that you didn't get done today and that you need to do tomorrow, whatever it is, if it's that, it's probably a cortisol curve thing and you need to get on top of that. So there's a lot of things, a lot of things that we have to be aware of when it comes to this energy thing. And I'm trying to, as quickly as I can, make you aware of some of the points here. So, so far we've talked about not enough water. It's a big deal. Our cells require it. Uh, not enough omega-3 fatty acids. We didn't talk about that, but that's a big deal. You ought to be taking a good quality fish oil or flaxseed oil every single day because our cells require require that too. And all the messaging that takes place that tells our bodies, we feel okay, we can do this, happens in the, in the presence of enough omega-3, enough water, and enough minerals. And if you have questions about those in particular, call us, 801-292-6662, and we will answer those questions so that you know what enough is and what sources make the most sense. And when you're adding more water, even though tap water is better than no water, it's not much better. So make sure you're cleaning your water. Even if it's something simple like a Brita filter, uh, that's better than pure tap water, which is just gross. And uh, I don't have time to ex explain why, but maybe you already know. So sleep. How much do you need? I had a gentleman come in the other day, very well-meaning gentleman, a father who wanted his teenage son to be productive and good in school and do all these things. And he said, my son, I think he's like lazy. He's like lazy. He sleeps like nine hours or 10 hours. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Stop. Pull back. How old is he? 16. Great. He should be sleeping nine hours or 10 hours. Good for him. I love this kid. Most kids don't give themselves that much sleep, and they should because that's how much sleep they need at that age. How, if you're an adult, how much sleep do you need? Seven to eight hours for most people. 
Nine for a few, six for a few, but for the most part, it's seven to eight hours. Make sure you give yourself that. And this is me saying to you as the pot calling the kettle black if you're not, because I don't allow myself to get seven to eight hours most nights. And that's why I'm tired often, because I don't sleep enough. So this is part of the challenge I plan to accept is to get that extra hour sleep that I allow myself routinely to miss out on because I'm just too busy thinking and getting stuff done and trying to accomplish things. And sometimes it's just entertainment. I want to stay up and watch a show or hang out with my son and play a game or whatever it is. And that's fine, right? From time to time. But be careful. If that's a nightly thing, you will be tired. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to cut to just a one-minute break. i got to gather my thoughts for the home stretch. we got about 12 minutes left. When I come back, we're going to continue to talk about energy. I'm going to give you real things that you can do aggressively, progressively to give yourself more energy. When we come back, you're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy, refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of me too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason, to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout, Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgent's pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a mega dose of stimulants. Insurgent's pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, refuse to conform and join the Insurgents. For more information about Insurgents pre-workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Okay, back to energy. We talked about all this stuff. Is there a plan? On the way out to the studio, after being stressed out by a leaky faucet that was causing some potential damage at Vitality, I thought, I'm not giving people a battle plan. What's wrong with me? I'm telling them all these things. I'm throwing all kinds of stuff at you. You now know the inner workings of my brain. It comes a million miles an hour in uh, all kinds of different directions. Uh, the medical profession calls it ADHD. Uh, I call it uh, pure genius, right? Okay, maybe not. But you know what they did prove? They have proven routinely that people who are diagnosed with ADD have a higher IQ. So, hey, if your mind jumps around like mine, all right, good for you. So how do we get 
all this stuff to make sense. I'm going to give you a battle plan right now in uh, offering you a challenge, okay? Now, there are a few things that you can do that I believe can help you gather more energy. I'm going to post this in more detail so that you've really got it and understand it on our Facebook page. I'm happy to also email it over to you if you call us at Vitality Nutrition at 801-292-6662. And of course, this challenge is not perfect for everybody. This is somewhat generic, but it makes sense, I think, for most people. And... If you want to tweak it a little bit because you don't think it makes sense for you, that's okay. Give us a call. We'll help you tweak it and make it perfect for you. And then what I want you to do, the challenge part besides doing it, is report back to us. Give us a call or jump on Facebook and post how you felt after doing this for a week and maybe after two weeks or even three, okay? Here's the thing. If you are sleeping less than seven hours per night as an adult, less than eight hours per night as a teenager... If you're sleeping less than that amount or giving yourself less than that amount of time to sleep, add one hour. Now, that might seem hard to do. I don't know. I don't know if you work 18-hour shifts. If you work 18-hour shifts, it is actually impossible to do unless you sleep on the job. But for most of us, I believe we are wasting an hour of our day doing something that is probably not productive, potentially counterproductive, where we ought to be sleeping. And I absolutely know that I am one of the people that falls into that category. I'm not asking you to get all the way up to eight hours. I'm asking you that if you sleep less than seven, add one hour to your sleep uh, time, okay, to the time that you can sleep. Eliminate stressful media before you go to bed. Eliminate blue light at least 30 minutes before bed. That's the blue light that comes from your phone, your tablet, your laptop. These things contain a tremendous amount of uh uh-uh for your eyes. Your TV does the same thing, and it wakes up your brain and tells you that it's daytime, not nighttime. Get rid of that about 30 minutes before. Oops, speaking of phones. And eliminate stressful media before bed, okay? Watch something lighthearted if you're going to do something. Read a book. Listen to a podcast that doesn't stress you out. Something and allow that to help you drift off to sleep. Big deal. Drink a minimum of 40% of your body weight in ounces of water, but shoot for 50%. If you're at 20% now, make it 30%. Incrementally, get that up. Get the My Water app. I don't make any money telling you to get that app, but it's a good app and it's free and it's easy to use. My Water, it is great. And you use that to Calculate how much water you need. Shoot for a minimum of 40% of your body weight in ounces. If you weigh 100 pounds, that's 40 ounces, right? If you weigh 200 pounds, it's 80 ounces and so on. And then from a supplemental standpoint, take night burn if you typically sleep well but don't feel rested. Night burn is a formula that I am completely in love with. It is so cool, and I love how I feel when I take it myself. It is something you take at night, a couple, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes, half hour before bed, whatever. And it does not, it is not a sleep aid. In fact, when I take it, I take it during the day because I feel really good on it. I feel more mentally focused. My ADD stuff goes away a little bit and I start to focus in on things better. Most people take night burn at night. They wake up feeling more rested. They feel like they slept more deeply and they wake up ready to go. Their mind is a little more alert. Their body's a little more ready, and they have less need for caffeine. Try night burn if you feel like that would help. I think you might really, really like it. If you have a hard time sleeping, if you have a hard time sleeping, you should step it up to something called vital sleep. People love vital sleep. 
holy smokes, do they love it. I get such great feedback on this stuff. And this is one that is more of a kind of a knockout punch. It will help you fall to sleep. It'll help you stay asleep. Whereas Nightburn is more about getting you into a deeper state of sleep. Vital Sleep does that, but it also helps to get you there in the first place. So if you have a hard time sleeping, try that out. And then if you're taking a multivitamin, I don't care what it is. I do not care what it is. Give us a chance and make a switch to Ultimate Vitality Multi. This is a formula that I'm very biased. I formulated it. I love it. I think it's the best multivitamin on the market. And if you're really, if you're taking something that you got at Costco, if you're taking Centrum or you're taking one a day, that's not a multivitamin. I promise it isn't. It's, I don't know what it is, but it's not good for you. And in my opinion, it's actually more harm than good. And I don't care that it's a nickel a pill or a penny a pill or whatever it is. Get away from that and try an actual multivitamin. If you decide not to try Ultimate Vitality Multi, find one that's food-based or that's whole food. Get it at a health food store. This is one place where what's sold in the grocery stores and what's sold in the health food stores are worlds apart. But Ultimate Vitality Multi was made for people who lack energy and have high stress, and you've got to give it a try to believe it because people absolutely rave about it. The gentleman I talked about at the very beginning of the show, that's what he's using, that he said, I can get through my night shift so much easier when I take a few of those than when I don't. Okay, and here's one I mentioned earlier, but very briefly, digestion is huge. When we are in a stressed state, when our stomach says, I can't worry about energy for digesting my food, I have to worry about energy just to handle all the stress that's going on. That's bad. We don't get nutrition from our food that way. We get problems with our intestinal tract that way. We end up with things like IBS that way. We end up feeling bloated or gassy after meals. We end up rushing around eating fast food, which is not good, right? But try this. If you struggle with any of these digestive things or if you feel like you're just a high-stress person in general or if you're 40 years plus, any of those reasons, you ought to try this. And this is another challenge I will give you independently of anything else I'm talking about. Back on Tract, my favorite product in the whole world. Back on Tract, one capsule with each meal will help you digest your food more efficiently. It will help to build the good bacteria in your intestinal tract. You will feel better if you take one with each meal. And both that and the Ultimate Vitality Multi, 100% guaranteed. If you don't feel better, bring it back and we will take care of you. But these are things that can truly make a difference because if you digest your food efficiently, you will have more energy. It's a big deal. So there's the challenge. I want you to add an hour of sleep if you're getting less than seven. If you're getting your seven or your eight and you don't need to add an hour, then you need deeper sleep, then it's either night burn or vital sleep, depending on if you have a hard time sleeping or if you just don't feel rested. Rested, if you don't feel rested, it's night burn. If you have a hard time sleeping, it's vital sleep. And drink a minimum of 40%. That's it's too low, okay? But it's a good starting place of water uh, in terms of your body weight, 40% of your body weight in ounces. Shoot for 50% minimum. And if you are a caffeine consumer on a regular basis, Cut it back by one dose. One dose. Okay? Start with one dose. So if that's one cup of coffee, if it's one can of Coke, if it's a rock star, whatever, cut it back by one dose. Or if it's only one dose a day you're doing, cut that dose in half. Try that. Do that for a week. And then cut it back again. Get to the point where you can take two days off. That's all I'm asking. Two days off. Give yourself two days off a week. You will feel better. The hope is that you'll get to the point of seven days off a week, right? But two days off a week is a great starting point after cutting back just 
one dose per day. So there's your challenge. I'm going to throw that on Facebook. In fact, I'm going to start typing it up as soon as I sign off. You'll see it on Facebook. Uh, jump in there if you have questions about it or you can't uh, don't like to use Facebook or whatever. Give us a call, 801-292-6662 at Vitality, and we will help you out. Come see us today. Uh, both my son, Bridger, and I will be there all day long. So excited to serve you. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to take a break and a walk after this just to get my energy back for listening to me. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.